we are. Um, it's April 9th. Is that the date? Around 2,000 years after your amazing life here on Earth, as one of us, we're about to commemorate your final week to remember what you said and did for us during those fateful days. We begin by saying thank you for dying for us. Thank you for rescuing us out of the world. Be blessed by our worship, our prayers, our hearts of love. Turn towards you this day. Amen. At the end of the service last Sunday, I needed to ask Josiah a question. <laughs> I looked around for him and saw that he, his head was bowed in prayer. So I waited a few minutes, you know, because I, I respect that moment of, of reverence <clears throat> when he was in communion with the Father. It's a mysterious time, time of prayer for anyone in whatever condition. So that's a serious time when someone's bowing their head in prayer. It says in the Gospels that Jesus uh, went aside to pray, and I've always wondered, what did he say? What, besides the prayer that he taught the disciples in uh, Matthew 11, the, we call the Lord's Prayer, and um, then there's this amazing outburst of Jesus um, at the tomb of Lazarus in uh, John 11. What? What did Jesus say to the Father in those hours that he was stepping aside to pray? We read that a lot. So, so I'm going to start today my sermon in this week of passion here, asking about Jesus' prayer to the Father. You have a copy of it in your hand, and Barbara Blinn is going to come up and read it to you. It's the whole of John 17. I can read. <laughs> oh, maybe not. Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Jesus said these things. Then, raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your son, so the son in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human, so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place. Then you gave them to me. And they have now done what you said, they know now, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. And they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me. For they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours and yours mine. And my life is on display in them, for I'm no longer going to be visible in the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me, so they can be one heart and mind as we are one heart and mind. As long as I was with them, I guarded them in the pursuit of the life you gave through me. I even posted a night watch. And not one of them got away, except for the rebel bent on destruction, the exception that proved the rule of scripture. Now, 
I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways, just as I didn't join the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes, so there'll be truth consecrated in their mission. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so they'll be as unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and loved them in the same way that you've loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory, the splendor that you gave me, having loved me long before there was even a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you, and these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made your very being known to them, who you are and what you do, and continue to make it known, so that your love for me might be in them, exactly as I am in them. Is she good? <laughs> Tell you. She's one of the best. So Palm Sunday starts, starts for us the week that changed the world. Palm Sunday begins the week of all weeks, the hinge in history week, Passion Week. Never in the universe of God did there take place such things as took place that week on this earth, John Duncan says. I agree. Some of the activities of this week, there's so many that I'm just going to kind of go through some of them. Um, on Sunday, which is today, the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, the disciples had retrieved a set of donkeys under the direction of Jesus. He is proceeding towards the final week of his destined calling for this earthly life. According to the Passion Translation, Eric, I love this, he reads from that, then an exceptionally large crowd gathered and carpeted the road before him with cloaks and prayer shawls. Others cut down branches and trees to spread in his path. Jesus rode in the center of the processions, crowds coming before him, crowds coming behind him. And they all shouted, Bring the victory, Lord, son of David. He comes with blessing of being sent from the Lord Yahweh. We celebrate with praises to God the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Want to say it? Hosanna in the highest. Can't say it enough. As Jesus entered, the people went wild with excitement. The entire city was thrown into an uproar. Some people asked, who is this man? The crowd shouted back, 
This is Jesus, Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And he went about the temple area, healing the sick and the lame and doing miracles. Winning the favor of the people, he came to serve and save. And then Monday, the clearing of the temple. Jesus returns from Bethany and enters the city again. This time, he dramatically cleanses the temple, sweeping the tables of their money, turning over the tables and demanding that my house should be called a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of thieves. Passion and desire braided together and used as a whip to stir up the status quo and usher in the change that was rushing towards them all, and subsequently angering the Sanhedrin. <laughs> and they began to plot in earnest how to arrest him and do away with him. He spent the day healing and doing all kinds of miracles. Tuesday and Wednesday are called uh, days of teaching and controversy. I don't think there's anybody has ever said this happened this day and this happened, but these are kind of the things that happened on those two days. The mysterious cursing of the fig tree as he's coming um, into Jerusalem, it's an allegory of Israel's failure to be the light of the world, as was their plan in the beginning. And that's a sermon for another time. But this took place, and he began what appears to be Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Some of the most dramatic stories and parables were taught during these days. Here's a few of them. Jesus' authority is questioned as he teaches and heals and forgives. By what authority do you say these things, they said to him, and he never answers them. The parable of the two sons. One said no and then obeyed, and one says yes and did not obey. The parable of the tenants, the parable of the wedding feast, paying taxes to Caesar, the great commandment of re-giving. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The seven woes to the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. The foretelling of the destruction of the temple. The great and amazing telling of the signs of the end of the age called the Olivet Discourse foretelling of the abomination of desolation. He astounds us with the insights and the revealing of the coming of the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. The lesson of the fig tree, the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, magnificent Matthew 25, our founding scriptures, the telling about the final judgment with the sheep and the goats. The plot to kill Jesus is established. The anointing of Jesus' feet with the costly perfume. All that took place on those two days. That's, it seems like that's what happened. At least it was during this week, but maybe those two days. Thursday is the celebration of Passover, the Jewish high holiday. The establishment of the new covenant, the bread and the wine, his body and blood. He washes their feet. The betrayal is announced. And Judas betrays Jesus to the Sanhedrin for 30 pieces of silver while Jesus is talking with the disciples of his great love. And a new commandment is given. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus teaches about the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's expedient that I go, that the comfort of the Holy Spirit would come. He heads for the garden and there bursts out in this magnificent prayer. Imagine that, it's like, boom. 
It's at the beginning of his suffering and his decision to do the will of the Father, not my will but yours be done. And then he's arrested and waits in the pit for his mockery of a trial. And then Good Friday, his trial before Pilate, his scourging for our healing, his shame and journey to the cross, and finally, his death on the cross. Saturday, the Sabbath, he's in the tomb and there is silence. He's entered into the rest. From his entrance into the city on Palm Sunday and his death on Friday, there's an amazing buildup to a crescendo of trauma and destruction, not only his body, but the whole city of Jerusalem. Earthquakes, the sky is darkening, the temple curtain being torn in two, clamor and fear and doubting and murder. They murdered the king of glory, the promised Messiah. They murdered him. In the midst of this, this moment in time, astoundingly located in the garden, a precious pause. Both stunning and poignant, deep and personal, a time of intimacy between Jesus and the Father, a prayer spoken out loud to bring hope to those who are about to witness and partake of the hinge. The act of God, not the Sanhedrin, that changed the world. So we're going to watch a film of just this prayer out of the Gospel of John, which is the 17th chapter. This is good. This is why we would never make it on TV. <laughs> and we all do this, whiskey. We all do this sometimes. <laughs> I um, just didn't tell them, and I thought Dick did. You know, did you ever do that? Does that ever happen? And I, well, you told them, didn't you? No, I told them. <laughs> I didn't tell them, but it's worth the wait. It's a, it's a beautiful. Has anybody ever seen the movie, um, The Gospel of John? Anybody seen that movie? It's wonderful. It's a wonderful. Very good depiction of the, um, the whole Gospel of John, which is so beautiful. And um, it's listed on YouTube as um, John 17. Do you want me to come and point it out? I so apologize. Well, we can pause. Just think about it. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that, um, you know, I've always loved that prayer, but I never really took such a deep look at what was going on and all the things that led up to it, and then boom, and this, just before he leaves the garden, just before he leaves them. Okay, we're, we're ready. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> I love that. And um, we can't hear it too much. I mean, we had it read, and, and then we watched it, and now I'm going to talk about it. But it, you can't hear it enough. I think. So.
N.T. Wright, is anybody familiar with N.T. Wright? You know, getting to be familiar with him? He's an amazing theologian and pastor and priest, whatever you want to call him. But in his sermon that the world may believe, he commented on it this way. The moment when time stands still, or rather when you go into a different type of time, in prayer of whatever sort, past and future come together in a new configuration, and you get it in tune with the will of God and discover that you can adore, you can worship, you can ask for things. In particular, you can ask for God's glory and love to flood the lives of those for whom you are responsible. Jesus did that with that prayer. This is an intercessory prayer born out of deep love and concern for the object of that love. Overcome with love and concern for his disciples, Jesus bursts forth in this very junction of preparation and activation of his final exit. So I'm going to just transition a little here. And there's so much covered in this prayer. I'm going to pull out a few things that I sense the Lord wanted to impart today. I'm not going to go into the unity too much because a lot of people do. That, that's a, a big part of this prayer. But in, the first is in John 3.16. In John 3.16, states the, which states the famous mini gospel. Want to say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever becomes, believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And here again, in John 17, Jesus restates the goal of the Father. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given, given to him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. <laughs> There's an old song from the 60s that goes like this, and you just have to bear with me. To know, know, know you is to love, love, love you. And I do. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you got to bring in some humor here. <laughs> If you come to know him, you will love him, okay? You can only start out wanting to love him. But as you come to know him, you can't miss. So N.T. Wright in his John for Everyone, which is a whole gospel series, and it's fantastic, he states the following. This eternal life, this life of the coming age, is not just something which people can have after their death. It isn't simply that in some future state the world will go on forever and ever, and we shall be part of it. The point is this, rather, that this new sort of life has come to birth in the world in and through Jesus. Once he has completed the final victory over death itself, all his followers, all who trust in him and believe that he has truly come from the Father and has truly unveiled the Father's character and purpose, all of them can and will possess eternal life right here and now. How do you like that? He's inviting us into an extraordinary intimate relationship that exists already between Jesus and the Father. As I journeyed um, into the Bible in my early days as a Christian, one of my questions was, is this written for me personally? Do you ever say, well, I wonder if this is really for me if it was just for all of them. The first time I read this particular prayer, and as I read the following portion, I began to weep. 
here was Jesus mentioning me. Not Martha by name, but I felt so included. I stopped and I shouted, here is my answer. Thank you, Lord. 20, the 20th verse says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words, the disciples. That's us. He there in the garden was praying for you. I mean, right there. It's so, to me, it was astounding. You can possess this prayer, this whole book, the whole relationship between Jesus and the Father, this whole plan of oneness. I printed up that paper for you. Um, I want you to use it as a prayer, you personally. Put yourself in there and imagine Jesus is referring to you, Nani, Karen. I'm terrible. <laughs> My mind's gone. Pastor Deb. When he says them and those, that's you. You can pray that. When Pastor Dick and I uh, went to the Philippines back in the mid-90s, um, the older kids were not settled enough to leave them with our eight-year-old. I think she was about eight years old, Katrina. So we decided to entrust her to Chris and Martin, who are here today. And, uh, and we wanted to make sure that someone who lived by our standards, loved as we loved both the Lord and their kids, was going to have charge over her. <clears throat> we wrote up a paper giving them custody of her until her sisters and brothers could take over in case of our untimely death. It was serious business. And we felt the weight of the responsibility as we made our plans to leave for two weeks. <laughs> we were just going for two weeks, but what if something happened, you know? This is only a little bit like what Jesus is doing here and only a small part of what he is accomplishing as he prays this prayer in the presence of the ones he loves and, ha and has been entrusted with. He is handing them over to the Father. Verse 15 says, I am not asking that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. The disciples will be at considerable risk. As the scripture states, they, are they will be abused and rejected just like he was. And in the end, they all died, deaths like his, except for John. However, none of them was lost, except the son of perdition, to the evil one. What does loss look like to you? Outside of God's will, I was lost once. Were you? Taken away by the, the wonders and the lusts of the deceptions of this world? Is that lost? I think so. His teaching in chapter 14 of the coming of the Holy Spirit assures us that our keeping is possible. Thank you, God. His promise of, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No, never, not ever. They're all presented here in this prayer. Keep them by your word. Mysterious and beautiful and so full of hope. Verse 24, um, Father, I want the ones you have given me, that includes you and me, to be with me where I am. From the beginning, in that famous Garden of Eden, God wanted to be with us. I picture him weeping as he led them out of that perfect and beautiful garden. I preached about that um, the last time I spoke, the word with. Eternally, never to be taken out of his hand again. 
Jesus himself is asking for us to be with him where he is. We, we sang yesterday one of the songs. We said, I want to be where you are. Well, he wants to be where we are. And so he did this. This story is audacious. Um, this goal of redeeming his beloved by the death of his only son is audacious. This exceptionally brilliant and um, beyond the scope of our human understanding, this plan of resurrection, it's extraordinary and audacious. This God with us, this Emmanuel, isn't it just stunning? Just stunning. The story, the world's, it's the story for the world. I, one of the songs we sang this morning, I saw that, you know. It's God's story. It's so beautiful. And finally, ending with 25 and 26, Righteous Father, I made your name known to them. Yes, and I will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them. That's us. And I in them. That's us. This prayer is all about love and not like any love that anyone has ever known. I pray you will read this prayer often and remind yourself of whose you are, who it is that is with you, and who it is that is in you, expressing the love of the Father wherever you go. Today, we're going to take communion together. The, yeah, I, I, I did not pick anybody. You, I'm so glad. <laughs> I love this man. We're a team. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> and um, I really would love to have the children come down. So we'll, we'll, as I think Josiah went to get them. Uh, so that, No? Did you want to go get them? Or did they say they didn't want them to come down? I didn't hear you. Oh, you don't? All right. Well, I, I thought it would be nice to have the children. Oh, well. <laughs> and communion is the best picture of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. His body became meat and his blood became drink. And we are given new life. So that's what communion is. Jesus' gift, his body and blood, and the prayer that is in John 17 was his introduction into his destiny, his rescue of mankind, and we're going to obey that command to do this often. So if you'd bow your head, and I'll close in prayer as we celebrate this audacious gift of the cross. Um, and I wanted to tell you that um, when we're through, you can get up, and there are three stations, one, two, three, and you can go and take the communion elements and then go back to your seat, and we'll all take it together. Is that cool? All right. Heavenly Father, thank you. You loved us so much that you went beyond what anyone could ever do to make a way for us to know you and be with you. May we live lives that say you have come. You have sent your son. May we live lives. May we live lives that portray Jesus. So I invite you to come, partake of the elements. While you're, while you're on your way, just let the Lord know what you want to get rid of, what you want to dump so your heart is right. And let's do this in reverence for what he did for us. Thank you.
I could sing a song for you if you want. <laughs> oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. I think he's smiling that we're doing this because he knows so with us. Are we ready? Okay. I, I begin by saying thank you. Just thank you, Lord, that your body went to that cross for us. Thank you so much. Thank you. In the body of Christ. Lord, I pray it would nourish our bodies even. Just this little piece. Because you are our nourishment. And the blood, Lord. The blood that you shed becomes our drink. It nourishes us, our souls, our spirits, our bodies, even, even our physical bodies are enriched and enlivened by the taking of this, Lord, and representative of what you did, Lord. And so we take it with that spirit, Lord, and we thank you for your blood, the blood of Christ. I think that um, if there's some prayer needs, this is, I would not want to miss up on this to invite you to come down and get prayer. There's such a sweet spirit of the Lord here. If you need prayer, and if you, you are a prayer of any kind, come and stand with us and pray for those who come forward. Thank you. <coughs> 